time to read from the scripture. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sean, and I'm going to be reading the scripture today. So the scripture I'm reading today is Genesis 1, 1 um, through 2, and then I'm going to be reading verses 26 through 31. So Genesis 1, verse 1 states, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. In verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have a dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and, all, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have a dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant, yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Is this thing working? Is this working? Good morning, my name is Andrew. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, and as I was sitting down, I realized that one of the good things about having chronic anxiety is that you're used to the feelings I'm feeling right now, having to get up and speak. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of positives with anxiety, but there's one for anxiety. Um, it's been about eight years since I've taught publicly uh, from scriptures or in regard to Christianity or religion. Um, but I want to say that I uh, feel really... Uh, blessed and privileged to be able to do it in this environment with you all in this community uh, because I feel like Zao is a very uh, important space. Um, so I'm just going to take a moment. I'm not, a, I'm not big for uh, outward public prayer, uh, but I do appreciate just taking a moment to kind of center myself and uh, then we'll, we'll get into creativity, I, although I think Corinne did a fantastic job and <laughs> And, and covered a lot of things that I'm going to be talking about, so I, I really appreciated what you shared as well. So we just open our hearts to creativity. 
that we open our hearts to who we are, that we open our hearts to expressing who we are, the creativity that we have in ourselves as individuals, and the, the creativity that we can have as a community. Uh, we open our hearts to a creativity that can bring light and life and wholeness into the earth, into our communities, into our relationships, and a creativity that casts out darkness and subverts everything that gets in the way of wholeness and creativity. Amen. So, in talking about create creativity and getting creative, um, I was reminded of a Facebook post that a friend of mine posted, I don't know, sometime over the last few years. And uh, they were waiting at a bus stop, um, mundane, waiting for the bus to come. And there was an individual that was at the bus stop who I think, if I remember correctly, had headphones on and was just dancing their heart out right there, maybe singing too. And uh, I remember my friend sharing this on Facebook, talked about as they witnessed this person just expressing themselves, uh, not thinking about any cultural norms or what anybody else would think, but simply in the moment, being in the moment, enjoying themselves, and then expressing that outward. What a liberating thing that was for my friend who was just sitting there at the bus in a mundane way to see. Um, and for me, that speaks of uh, the power of creativity. To me, that speaks of the power that we possess as individuals and as a community that as we get in touch with our authentic selves, as Jonah shared a few weeks ago, we're able then to express our authentic selves. And so I just kind of want to talk about just kind of a simple working definition of creativity. Um, in the passage of scripture, we read that God said, let us make humanity in our image. Let us make humanity after our likeness. So simple enough, what that says to me is that creativity is simply self-expression. And I think that's really a lot of what Corinne was hitting on, that expressing yourself, letting yourself out, right, is a creative act. Um, so when God created, God was expressing God's self. When God decided to bring forth the heavens, bring forth the earth, bring forth creation, bring forth humanity. It was all an expression of God's self. I think this is important to identify creativity as self-expression because it kind of, as Corinne shared, it breaks the boxes that we often associate with creativity. Creativity is being good at playing an instrument. Creativity is being good at drawing or being crafty, right? We have these certain boxes that we associate with creativity. To me, it also kind of subverts the idea that only some people are creative, right? I think that can kind of be a hard thing. We might come in today and hear a message about creativity and think, well, you know, what effect does this have upon my life? I don't view myself as a creative individual. So what I want to do is kind of break out of that box and break out of that mindset. If God created and God's creation was an expression of God's self, and God created you and me and all of humanity in God's image. That means each of us has within us the same creative ability, the same creative potential. 
And we have the ability, the more we're comfortable with our authentic selves, the more that we get in touch with our authentic selves, the more we're able to express that and we are able to express creativity. Um, because we're all made in God's image, right? And I want to talk about God's image real quick. Um, you know, we know there's a lot of things in the Old Testament that make us shake our heads. I don't know about you all, but there are certain things in the Old Testament, uh, patriarchal ideas, slavery, God, you know, supposedly commanding the children of Israel to commit genocide against the Canaanite tribes. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament that, you know, I don't accept or, uh, you know, I feel were people's um, impressions of what maybe they thought God was saying to them, but really wasn't God's heart. But there's also a lot of things in Torah and in the Hebrew Scriptures that are very amazing, very subversive, especially for the time and the culture. And this creation account is one of those. Uh, in uh, the Middle East and surrounding cultures to the, to the Hebrews, um, there were other creation stories. Uh, there were all other narratives about the image of God. Um, both in Mesopotamia and Egypt, which were the two biggest empires that surrounded Israel, uh, the image of God was often associated with the king. The king was the image of God. And as we read this morning in Genesis, the image of God incorporates things like authority. It incorporates things like creativity. It incorporates things like freedom and autonomy. And in the Egyptian culture and in the Mesopotamian culture, that image with that authority, that creativity was centered in one person, the king. The king was the image of God. So now think about the Genesis account and think about how subversive that is compared to the narrative in Egypt and Mesopotamia. Where in the Genesis account, the image of God with that creativity, that authority, that power, is not just vested in a king, it's vested in each individual. When God sets up humanity as a steward of creation, God doesn't just choose one or two. God chooses all of humanity, every individual, each one of us, to bear the image of God, and in that image to have within ourselves that autonomy, that authority, and that creativity to express ourselves, to be who we are, to not have to answer in, a, in an authoritative way to any other person. We are called to express ourselves. So think about it. If the king is the image of God, that means the center of the narrative is on the king. You and I and everybody else exist not primarily for ourselves, not primarily for our ambitions or what we love or how we can express ourselves freely. We exist for the king, right? The king is the image of God. Our purpose is to produce for the king, to give wealth to the king, to attribute homage and obedience to the king, right? But in the Genesis account, we don't have any of that. In the Genesis account, we have every human being created in the image of God. Another thing you'll notice um, in the Torah is that there is a consistent denunciation of idol worship, right? Because another thing that was associated with the image of God other than the king were also idols. 
Uh, many cultures would, would create statues and um, there was often this idea that these statues were almost like a gateway to the divine realm. That when you saw an image of a god, it was in a sense a connection uh, to the spiritual realm. And you think to yourself, you know, reading the Hebrew scriptures like, God, why are you so hung up on this, you know? If you're the one true God and the idols aren't real, you know, why do you care so much? And as I was thinking about this, I started to think about, you know, the reality that these idols that were created by human hands, they didn't have real creativity. They couldn't move, they couldn't speak, they couldn't love, they couldn't think, they couldn't act. And I think the thing that was detrimental or the thing that's important in this is to understand that God doesn't want us to trade the true image of God that's within us for anything else. Whether that's an idol, whether that's something that we make with our hands, or whether that's a king or a perceived authority, God wants us to understand that the image is within us, right? Uh, there's a quote I love from uh, this old cat named Irenaeus who was a, a leader in the early church. And uh, Irenaeus said, the glory of God is humanity fully alive. I love that. That the glory of God is humanity fully alive. Um, so basically what I want to talk about now is the subversive nature of creativity. So God turns this whole idea of the image of God being an idol, the image of God being a king on its head. God says we are the image of God, which is a very subversive idea, and it's very powerful. Uh, I want to share a story. Uh, sometimes I work at a nonprofit in Waukesha called Hope Center. Um, we serve a lot of low-income folks. We serve a lot of homeless folks. Um, and sometimes when I pull in in the morning, um, there's a, a woman there who, same, kind of same thing as the bus stop story, sometimes she'll be there in the morning, she'll have headphones on, and she'll just be dancing her heart out, right? Just dancing her heart out. And I'm pulling up to work, feeling the weight of having to labor under capitalism, <laughs> having to sell my body to pay my bills, right? Feeling the weight of the alienation that just comes with that, Right? And I'm tired, and I haven't had coffee yet. I mean, that's important to keep in mind. And she's dancing her heart out, right? And I'm going to be honest with you. You know, there's some days where I, I look at her and I think, you know, what right does she have to be dancing like this? She might be homeless, right? Not a lot of means at the time. And here I am all depressed and hunkered down because I'm about to go into work. And I think, like, what right... You know, where is this joy? Where is this self-expression coming from? And the answer is simple. The reason that she dances is because she's human and she's alive. And exploitation and capitalism and lack can't rob her of her humanity. And she's tapped into something, obviously, that I have a hard time tapping into, which is being able to get in touch with that humanity regardless of what her circumstances are and she's expressing that creativity. And guess what? I get to see it. Other people get to see it. And maybe it gets the wheels turning in other people's minds that there's power in being able to connect with ourself and to be able to express ourself no matter what our circumstances are. And I don't say that lightly because circumstances can be heavy 
the things that we struggle with, mental illness, the weight and the insecurities of life can be a heavy weight. But at the same time, seeing her dance when I come in the morning shows me that there's something inside that can break out, even under the worst circumstances. And I think in our culture today, the image of God is still, in a sense, associated only with certain individuals, whether that's politicians, people in power, celebrities, people with money. Under capitalism, money is power. So you, if you have money, you can express yourself freely. If you're an owner or you're a boss, you can pretty much do what you want because you are in that position of authority. When most of us go to work, we face a different situation. Our freedom of speech, our freedom of expression is severely limited once we clock into our place of work, right? In a sense, we have to, or at least I have to, every job I've had, in a sense, cut off part of myself in order to stay there. And I do that because I need to make a living. I do that because I need to pay bills. I do that because I have a family. Um, but when I go into work and when we go into work, our creativity is often limited. But even in situations like that, I think it is imperative and it's very important for us to be able to infuse creativity in those situations, right? When I get to work, I often like get into work mode. Does anybody have like work mode? Where like I kind of put the blinders on, I set my eyes to like the tasks I need to accomplish. And there's a lot of times that guests at Hope Center will, you know, stop and say hi or want to talk and engage, and I recognize that. And sometimes I'm so stuck in work mode to perform tasks or do whatever I'm doing um, that I can be very short. Um, I'm naturally very shy. I'm naturally not very outgoing. But there are certain times where I stop myself and I think this is the most important thing I could do right now. Interacting with this person, opening myself up to this individual is the most important thing I can do right now. And when I do that, and you know, you, you get to your work anyways, you get to the tasks that you need to do, they're going to be accomplished. But taking time to inject creativity into situations that seek to hamper our creativity is a very subversive act. In a sense, we're going against the grain, right? Because when you're at work, you, can, you only have to talk a certain way. Sometimes there are dress codes, you have to dress a certain way. There's so many ways, in a sense, that you have to limit who you are and limit your self-expression. But when you can inject some of your own creativity, I think it's a very subversive act. Sometimes at work, um, I like to sing. And usually you can tell my mood based on whether I'm singing or not. And, uh, you know, I've had comments and stuff from, like, secretaries who are like, you know, I haven't heard you sing in a couple days. Are you, are you okay? And sure enough, usually if I'm not singing, it's because I'm not feeling good, feeling depressed or whatever. But I've also had times where when I do sing, and it's not because I'm a great singer, um, I just like to do it, I've also had very positive comments of people coming up and, you know, just enjoying it. Because in a sense, by opening myself up in that way, and that's one way I can open myself up, we all have different ways, it touches the humanity in other people, right? Just like when I saw that woman dancing in the parking lot or my friend saw the woman dancing at the bus stop, by singing and opening myself up and releasing my creativity, 
The humanity in me touches the humanity in other people, and it creates an opportunity for a touchstone. And the thing is, we're called to subvert the powers of death and oppression, right? And I think creativity is one of the best ways to do that. Like in this account of Genesis, where we read that the earth was like formless, void, darkness was on the face of the deep. You know, God could have been like, I don't have a lot to work with here. You know, can I get some of the good stuff? Like, where's the colors and the light and all this? But it was God's own creativity that brought those things out. So God started, I mean, you read that account in Genesis, and we know it's, it's you know, a myth, but it speaks of something deep and true. So when God started out creating, God didn't have the greatest environment. The earth was without form, void, darkness was on the face of the deep. And yet out of this mess, God brought in subversive creation that cast the darkness out and brought life, that cast the emptiness out and brought something that filled the earth. The earth was still, so God brought his spirit or a wind into the earth and it brought movement, it brought light, it brought creation, it brought order out of chaos, it brought life. And when God created, God saw that everything was good, right? So I want to talk about the importance for us to get in touch with this subversive, subversive creativity. Um, I like to study uh, labor history um, because I think labor history, like a thousand other things, is just full of wonderful, subversive creativity. And one of the things that came into my mind was uh, in the 1930s, uh, there were uh, strikes in uh, Detroit. The United Auto Workers were going on strike uh, for better wages, better working conditions, right? But workers were having this problem because every time they'd go on strike and they'd pick it outside of their building, the company would bring in what, what are called scab workers, people who take the jobs of the union workers. And so the workers are out striking, they've left their job, they're fighting for their demands, and all of a sudden the companies are just bringing new people in to do their job. Lower wages, lower benefits, it was a problem. So they came up with a creative response and it was called the sit-down strike. So instead of leaving their place of work, the union decided to occupy their place of work so that union scabs wouldn't be able to come in and take over the means of production to produce for the bosses. And by doing that, they found a creative answer to win their demands. And I love that kind of stuff, right? And in fact, these sit-down strikes were something that Dr. King used something that uh, was used in the freedom movement and the civil rights movement in the South. And to think of, you know, the fact of the earth was without form and void. There were these crappy circumstances, right? These circumstances of death, of destruction, of oppression, and yet creativity came in and creativity found a solution. And that's what we're talking about. There's another thing I thought of, maybe you've seen it, it was in the 60s, um, there's a picture of a student on a college campus taking a flower and putting it into the gun of a National Guardsman who is basically sent to keep tabs on the protests, right? And to me, that's just another beautiful picture of the subversive nature of creativity, right? Another thing I want to talk about is creativity bringing life into death and destruction, just like we were talking about where God started out with these not-so-great conditions 
but God was able to reform something beautiful and to bring life in order. And so each of us, both individually and also as a community, have this opportunity through this creativity and through this self-expression to create something beautiful in the earth. What was that quote? What was the quote from Rent? The opposite of war is peace, it's creation. Oh, that's awesome. The opposite of war is not peace, it's, crea it's creation, right? Creativity. Um, so we're able to do that. We're able to do that in our relationships. We're able to do that in our lives where there are still places of darkness, maybe places that we haven't become fully aware of, places of hurt and pain where maybe we haven't even had the courage to go into it yet, right? But there is within us an ability and a power, a creative power to be able to go into those dark areas of our lives and to be able to bring something beautiful into that. And there is the ability for us as individuals in a community to go into the dark places of our community where people are hurting, where there's oppression, where there's police violence, where there's capitalism and alienation on the job, where there's people working way too hard for crappy wages and no benefits. And there is an opportunity for us to get in touch with that creativity we possess and inject that into those dark places and bring life and bring order. So kind of to bring it together, I'm just going to talk about two things. Um, creativity as something that is deeply personal and creativity that is also deeply communal, right? I think... Uh, creativity takes a, uh, an amount of vulnerability on our parts, right? To be able to go up and play in a band in front of everybody takes vulnerability. Um, according to the amount of my anxiety I felt before I came up to speak, I think that coming up here to speak required an amount of vulnerability. For Corinne to come up and share this morning uh, demanded some vulnerability. And that's because creativity is something deeply personal. When we want to express ourselves, we want that expression to be honored and to be received. And I think the cool thing is, is like when God created, God created to satisfy God's self, right? Like there was nobody else there. When God made the heavens and the earth and the trees and the birds and separated the land from the waters and created the moon and the sun and created humanity in God's own image, God didn't look around and say, is there anybody else to judge this for me? It was God who looked at it, and it was God who said, this is very good. So God's creative act wasn't primarily to please anybody else. God wasn't doing it necessarily for an audience of anybody but God's self. God had this deep yearning to express God's self, a deep yearning to be creative and to express that creativity and to, and to share that creativity and baseline, bottom line, God did that to satisfy God's own self. And I think that's something that is really important for us to understand because we live in a very like consumeristic culture where even the arts, if you're going to make a living sometimes, or you know, musicians signing with a record label, they still wanna, they want you to make music that's going to sell, or they want you to make art that's going to sell. 
Or, you know, sometimes it's just pressure we can put upon ourselves. Like, if I'm going to get up and I'm going to sing and play a song, I want it to be something everybody's going to like. And that's not necessarily bad, right? We, we want our art to affect people positively, right? But when we leave the basis of satisfying our desire for creativity, I think we, we leave the true basis for creativity in a sense. Because that basis is to touch something deep within ourselves and to bring it out for others. Not always an easy thing. Um, but I think once we understand that, we can understand then the, the communal nature of creativity, right? Um, in the, in the uh, passage from Genesis we read, uh, God says, let us make humanity in our image. And some theologians and scholars think that this might be kind of a shadow of what Christian theology later developed as the triunity of God. Uh, that within God's nature, there are three centers of consciousness. Uh, you know, who, the father, mother, parent, the one person, the word or son who became Jesus when he took on flesh, and the spirit of God, are the three persons of the divine trinity. Um, some people also see that in the, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim in this passage of Genesis. And Elohim is often translated in the Hebrew scriptures as gods, plural, depending on context. But we know that the scriptures are emphatic, that there is only one God, right? Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. So some people have taken that as though there is one God within that one nature, there is a community of persons. And I love this concept. To me, this is probably one of the richest teachings of Christianity. And I usually don't uh, major on the metaph metaphysical things. Um, I'm not super comfortable with the metaphysical things. But I love this idea of understanding God as a community of persons. So when God was creating, we see this unity of action, right? Because in the, the Gospel of John, regardless of what the author of Genesis was thinking by let us, um, we know in the Gospel of John that that author associated Jesus with God and with creation. Because it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made through the Word, and without the Word nothing was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that's who we know as Jesus, right? And we also see in the opening account of Genesis that the, the wind or the ruach, the breath of God, the spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. So even in creation, we see that even though it's God deeply satisfying a desire in God's self to express God's self, there's also this communal aspect of this community of persons lovingly working together, lovingly working for the other, working for the joy and the satisfaction of the other to create something beautiful. One thing I think of is, you know, like when we're playing up here uh, as the band, which is what I usually do. This is, this is my normal gig up here. And, uh, you know, when I'm playing guitar by myself, I can enjoy myself. It's nice, you know. There's only so far I can go. But when I and others get together as a band and we join our creativity together, it creates something I could never create on my own. And there are certain moments, it doesn't always happen, but there are certain times when I'm playing up here and it like hits, a, it hits another level. 
It hits a level where I can just close my eyes and I feel like I'm melting into the music and I feel like I'm melting into my other band members. We're still distinct and we're still individuals and we're each contributing our own gift and our own creativity, but I'm telling you, something beautiful happens and it all melts together. And I love those moments where I can just close my eyes and, you know, just for a minute or two, just be in that flow of creativity and it's life-giving. It makes me feel like a human. It makes me feel like I'm alive, right? Because that's what creativity does. Creativity brings life into death. It brings order into disorder. It brings order into chaos. It brings life and it brings wholeness, right? And the church is the perfect environment for this communal creativity. Um, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where Paul is talking to the church and you kind of get a glimpse into how the early church met. And actually when you read the New Testament, there's really, there's not a lot that talks about how early Christians met or what, you know, the order of service was or how things went. This is one of the few pictures you get of what the church did when they gathered together in the first century. And it says, Paul says, well, my brothers, sisters, siblings, let's summarize. When you meet together, one person sings, another person teaches, another person gives a special revelation from God. One speaks in diverse languages and another interprets what is said. But everything that is done, let it be done to strengthen all of you, to build up all of you, right? So here we get this beautiful picture of the early church gathering as this really rad, egalitarian, participatory event, right? That it wasn't just a people, bunch of people coming together to focus on one or two individuals, but it was truly a participatory event where everyone was able, as they were led, in order to share their gifts. And one thing I really appreciate about Zhao is I really feel like Zhao incorporates this spirit a lot. I think that's one thing that's really important about the fact that we have a testimony every week, that we're hearing from different voices uh, in the community. Uh, I think it's one of the beautiful things about you know, the band and the different songs we play and the different expressions of worship we have is that each of us has something to give, right? And I know that we have uh, the Zhao groups throughout the week uh, where we meet together, where we discuss our lives, our spiritual lives, our all-around lives, and those are environments and those are opportunities for us to bring our whole selves and to express our whole selves in acts of creativity. So the church is an environment where we can express ourselves and where we can express ourselves corporately. And the cool thing is, is like as we do that together with one another, and as our trust goes, with one another and as our walls are able to come down as we spend time together because it takes time to build trust, it takes time to break down walls, it takes time to become more comfortable with expressing ourselves. But as we're able to do that together, we're able to do that to the outside world. And to me that's one of the most important things about community. It's one of the most important things about in this context Christian community is the fact that we embody something beautiful. You know, some people call it God's dream or the beloved community. That we express a different way of relating to one another 
And as we do that, we're able to take that out into the world in a thousand different ways, and we're able to bring that creativity that we share back and forth, and we're able to bring that out into the world and bring life and light into a world that really needs it. Um, so I'm going to end with um, a friend of mine has like a small side business uh, where, you know, it's kind of like Bob Ross Light, <laughs> where she teaches people how to paint. Um, so they go to like different schools, uh, senior homes, and uh, anybody can do it. Anybody can show up, gives you the paint. There's an instructor who paints the picture and kind of leads you as you go. And the reason I bring that up is because it's another example of the fact that creative boxes need to be broken open. It's something anybody can do. And my, one time my wife, she, she worked sometimes uh, teaching these classes, and uh, she said she was at a senior home and there was a lady, they were, they were painting a picture of a bird, and she didn't like birds, she liked cats. So she painted a cat instead, right? Which is creativity. It's creative freedom. It's creative expression, right? So as we go out today, I guess my challenge is that we all watch Rent, <laughs> right? Is, uh, I think Corinne's challenge was wonderful. Like finding a way to express yourself today. Um, and hopefully as we continue to grow with one another, um, as we continue to grow as a community, all this creativity that's in here because there's so much. And you know what? I bet some of you who feel like you have the least creativity, you probably have the most. There's probably so much life and color and light inside of you. And the only thing we're going to be is blessed and enriched by you letting it out. Um, so that's all I'm going to say today. I'll end in prayer. May we become more comfortable with ourselves. May we grow in our creativity with one another. And may our creativity overflow the boundaries of our community into our greater community, into all of our relationships, and into the lives of those around us.